Welcome to 900 Ackland Avenue. What follows is a service from February 26th, 2023. Thank you and God bless. Good morning, church family. We are so thankful to have you with us here this morning as we worship. Um, it's nice to see spring on its way. We will get started this morning with a reading out of the second chapter of Genesis, starting in verse 15, and then uh, skipping forward a little bit into chapter 3. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Starting in uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the tree, or from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it, or when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that we can come into your midst this morning to worship. Lord, I pray that you will be in this place with us, uh, Lord, that you will hear us, um, that you will celebrate this worship with us, and, and that you will bless it. Lord, uh, I know that, that we are still uh, like Adam and Eve. Lord, we still fall into temptation. Um, Lord, we still desire wisdom in things that are just not meant for us, maybe. And yet, Lord, we are thankful that even from the time of Adam and Eve, uh, Lord, that, that you knew what was coming. And, and Lord, that we thank you this morning that you broke that curse um, and, and set us back on the path uh, towards a, a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, through your son and we are thankful for him and he is the reason we are gathered here this morning Lord be in this place it's through your son's name we pray Amen Interesting we just read about one kind of fruit uh, we're going to be singing about another kind of fruit, bearing fruit, producing fruit uh, today. So 260, I am the vine, you are the branch. <clears throat> 260. <clears throat> 
Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Let's pray. Dear God, we come to you today. We pray that we have the recognition of our sin and our imperfection, and that we confess to you honestly and freely, knowing that there is no place we can go that you will not find us. We pray for those with whom our lives are most closely intertwined. Our family, our church family, our missionaries. Pray that you will help us to be the people you've called us to be. On days where it's hard. I ask that you especially <coughs> be with Lindsay Krinks as she prepares for the birth of their second child. Be with all of our missionaries. Keep them safe. Be with the people in Ukraine. Help us to know how to minister to those who are in our physical presence as well as across the world. In your sons will be back. Amen. Three hundred eighty-one. Three eighty-one. Lord, speak to me that I.
Uh, she's staying with them now for a few weeks while she gets better. So our prayers for Judy and the Solomurgers as they go through that. That's heavy. The world is heavy in many ways. And that's what some of what we're going to be talking about this morning. This is the first Sunday in Lent. And this is the traditional Sunday that we look at the temptation account of Christ. Lent is 40 days uh, until Easter, from Ash Wednesday to Easter, if you take out the Sundays. Uh, and we find ourselves in this trajectory, preparing ourselves for Easter. We're specifically this morning going to be talking about Satan as the father of lies. What does it mean? To be in a world where there are often so many lies, and when we fall prey to these lies, and what does it mean to be people of truth? I'm going to talk for about seven or eight minutes, and then Jonathan and Dave are going to come up for a really fun interview about lies. Now, they're not liars. I want to be clear. I wasn't like, who are the best liars at church, and I'll have them come up. Uh, they're going to be talking about kind of what they do in information security to combat lies and false information and various things. And then I'll come up to the end and say a few more words. The last exercise we're going to do together, everyone's going to need a note card and a pen. You see some that have been placed in your pews. Caroline, if you want to walk around now, Caroline has extra note cards. Raise your hand if you need a note card or if you can't find a pen. Admiral was helping earlier, too. Make sure everybody has this. This is for the end of the message, but I want to make sure everyone has that. About 12 years ago, my best friend Travis was going through a really challenging time. Some of you may remember he and his wife Kelly were here in April on a Wednesday night, shared a book that they wrote together uh, about raising a child with, with special needs. But I remember 12 or 13 years ago, Travis was going through a specifically difficult time, and it's, it's a very long story with lots of different wrinkles to it, but I remember going to his house and just visiting with him, and I could just tell everything about him that he was not well. He was not well physically, he was not well emotionally. He was not well spiritually. And I just said, man, what, what is happening inside of him? And he looked at me and he said, I've just had to face the truth that I've never really been good at anything my whole life. And I couldn't believe those words were coming out of his mouth because he's been one of the most talented people I've ever known. He was a great student. An amazing voice in our high school choir, incredible athlete, was an all-region basketball player, had offers to play in college, has a good career, wonderful family, just all kinds of things that you could like. It's like, what extraordinary achievements. And he was sitting there telling me, I've had to face the truth that I've never been good at anything in my entire life. And I looked at him and I said, Travis. That's not true. You, you're believing things that aren't true. That's a lie. And he said, but everything in my life right now is telling me that's true. And I want to ask you this morning, have you been in that place? Have you had a friend or family member in that place where you're like, oh my goodness, they are living a lie and I'm like, that's not, that's not true. And sometimes they even know. I've been in this like, I feel like I'm believing lies, but how do I get out of this spiral that I'm in to grab hold of what is true? And that's what we read this morning. If you open your bolts, and it's going to be from Matthew chapter 4, the familiar temptation account that we find both in Matthew and Luke. 
And in a time of fasting and 40 days, and this is where we get a lot of our Lenten tradition, Satan is going to come, the devil is going to come to Jesus, and he's going to lie to him three times. Now, one of the things we were talking about this morning, some of these are direct lies, and some of these are indirect lies, like partial lies, partial truths, and I confess that's where I get most hung up in my life. Where I'm like, I don't know, it's kind of true and it's kind of false. Man, those things deceive me a lot if I'm not careful. But if you would, stand with me for this reading. And I have put in bold each time Jesus' response. We study this every year, so you may remember Jesus' response all three times is from the book of Deuteronomy. At one time, the devil's going to quote scripture to Jesus, <laughs> reminding us of the evil truth that the Bible can't be used for bad ends, right? Because even Satan knows it and tries to twist it. He's going to quote from Psalms. But each time... Jesus responds to Deuteronomy. If you want to join with me in that, feel free. Matthew chapter 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered together, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, and this is from Psalms, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift up in your lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is also written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him together, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. There's a scripture I would like to add to this that's been really influential to me the last month or so uh, as I've been doing a lot of reading on the idea of lies and truth and some of what's going on in our culture and some of what can be our Christian response as being people of truth because we worship a God of truth. And there's this scripture from John chapter 8, verse 44. This is page 869 in your pew Bible. You would turn there. John chapter 8, verse 44, page 869 in your pew Bible. I almost said pool Bible. That would be fun. Waterproof Bible for the pool. Okay. John 8, 44, where Jesus says, and he's, he's talking to the religious leaders here. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he's a liar and the father of lies. What we have here in Christian theology is that every single lie in our world ultimately goes back to Satan and evil. Now, 
I, you know, I'm not, I try to be really careful about saying definitively what's going on in the spiritual realm. I'm not one of these folks that sees a demon under every bush or something like that. I can't tell you how this works out in real time, and I'm not trying to. I'm just saying from the scriptures we know everything in this world that is a lie ultimately goes back to Satan and evil. And we must be people of truth instead of people of lies. This morning, before I called David Jonathan up, I just wanted to briefly tell you a couple of direct lies I have fallen for in my life. And then a few indirect lies or partial truths that I've fallen for. Here are some lies that I've fallen for. If I have more things, I will be happy. If I could only get that, whether it's something on Amazon Prime or the, it's the next accomplishment in my career. If, if only that happened, then I'd be happy and I'd really be fulfilled. Second one I thought of, this lie, I am what people think of me. <laughs> I'm a recovering people pleaser. I know there's a lot of us out here, right? Have we ever posted something on, on social media? You know, I'm not a big Instagrammer. I think I have like 72 followers, not trying to brag. Um, I posted something recently, 51 likes. <laughs> then I posted a really cute picture of my family, only 32. I was like, what is wrong with me that it only got 32 likes, you know? <laughs> I say that tongue in cheek. It's actually true, but I say that tongue in cheek. <laughs> Because we can trace the decline in mental health to the rise of social media. It's correlative a lot. I'm not, I don't know to which sense causative other people smarter than me can deal with that. But I often believe a lie. I am what people think of me. Here's another lie I often believe. My success is my worth. My success is my worth. And here's something I often think as a parent, I know we have some parents out there. My kid's success is my worth. My kid's success. How my kid is doing is indicative of who I am as a person. And that's a lie. Your kid's their own person. You're all great parents. But your kid's life is their life. Your life is your life. When it comes to value and worth. Here's some partial truths. And I'm going to ask Jonathan and Dave some about partial truths here. Here's some partial truths that I thought. God wants me to be happy. Well, I mean, Yeah. On one level, God wants me to be happy. But there are things I think would make me happy that I think would be contrary to what God wants, right? Here's another one. Follow your heart. I mean, if the Holy Spirit's in my heart and my heart is calling me to love my neighbor, I think I should follow my heart. There are times my heart wants a second bowl of ice cream. <laughs> and I think the Spirit is saying, you've had enough, Right? There are things my heart sometimes wants that's not good. There are times I do not need to follow my heart. There are other times I do need to follow my heart. Here's the last one I'll do is, I hear this a lot, live your truth. On one hand, I get it. Like Your life experiences, your social location in the world, your perspective, that has a lot to do with how you see the world, and that is your truth. But, man, I didn't want to go here about well. During COVID... There were things we just knew based in science. And there are a lot of people saying, live your truth. And I said, well, you're not allowed to have alternative facts. Like, 
Like that's not what we did. You can have different perspective, right? You can have different interpretation. You can't have different truth. Like truth doesn't work that way. And so I see that's another partial truth. All right. So I have Jonathan and Dan come up this morning. I've invited them to come on up. They work in information security. And they are frequently dealing with individuals that are trying to spread lies for monetary gain. You guys can share a mic and just sit up here. And I thought this would be a cool way for us to kind of process what's going on with lies in our world. Um, John, I'm starting with you. What is your job? Part of this is for me. I've always wanted to understand Jonathan and Dave's jobs, and I never have. But uh, tell us your job, what you do. So I'm a consultant for a company called Mandiant, um, part of Google. Uh, and uh, my day-to-day job is working with businesses or government organizations who um, don't have the staff to maintain proper uh, security alert uh, viewing. So we have, a, we have a team that looks at that. When things, bad things happen, our team looks at it. We decide whether or not it's really a bad thing or not. If it's a super bad thing, then they tell me and I get to spend all night with the customer solving the problem. So I work for a company called Kroll and we directly compete with Mandiant. Which is <laughs> <laughs> uh, I run what we call our global response ops team. So I have people in three continents and we um, we respond to active threats and environments. So when our SOC finds bad guys, we literally reach into people's computers through the tools that we've deployed and we get them out for them. Like we take care of helping secure the network. So. Ignorant question, who are the bad guys and what is their motivation? Oh, that's fun. <laughs> um, a lot of it is organized crime. Um, I'd probably say that's 90, 95% of it's organized crime. Uh, for various ways of making money out of your computers. There's a lot of them. Um, the one most people know about is ransomware. That's a huge amount of the work. Uh, there's a smaller percentage that is um, cyber espionage from companies or from nation states, um, which is basically threat actors who get in and they're a lot quieter. They're just looking to steal information that they can use. Um, whether that's information to get a competitive advantage, that's information about um, employees because they want to monitor those employees because they live in their country, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's a small percentage of what I do anyway. Okay. So probably a lot of us have gone through some type of training at work to say, don't open an email if it's like this, right? And kids, you've probably been through that school, you know, because I know Metro Schools gives their all the kids laptops. Don't open the email that's talking about Nigerian princes or whatever, you know, that's the one I always remember. How do the quote-unquote bad guys how do they use lies to their advantage? So in cybersecurity, we have a, we have a phrase, a, a technique called social engineering. Um, and there's six principles to social engineering. Um, I think I looked them up just because I have to remind myself half the time. Um, the, um, but the primary one is often just simply, oh, here they are, um, either urgency or, or authority. Um, a lot of these, especially like the Nigerian print scam, talk about, hey, I have 24 hours to get this money transferred. Please help me. Um, I, I need to get my money out of the country, yada, yada, yada. Um, that's urgency. 
Um, the other one a lot of times is authority. You'll get someone that says, hey, I'm from your IT department and you have a virus on your machine. I need to get in there right now and clean it up. Um, that happens a lot. Uh, we get, um, I get a lot of customers that will have things like emails that say, I've been contracted by Microsoft, Apple, and Google to fix your computer. And you know, that, that's great if they all work together. But not <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's what a lot of it is. Um, a couple of other uh, just interesting ones uh, when it comes to uh, social engineering, uh, familiarity. We see that a lot on social media. Uh, if it's somebody that you're familiar with and they're purporting a, a lie, then you're more likely to believe that lie. And that kind of also goes along with consensus or um, uh, conformity, uh, which is another one where basically you, you say, okay, well, everyone else I know believes this in my little echo chamber, so I'm going to believe this because why not? Everyone I know does. Um, so it doesn't matter whether or not it's truth or not. I think it's kind of back to your idea of what is, what is truth, right? And a lot of these play on what we call cognitive bias. So we, as humans, we take in huge amounts of information every day. We like to think of ourselves as rational, right? Some of us like to think of ourselves like Vulcans, that we make all our decisions by thinking them through. But if you did that, like you'd fall asleep 10 minutes into your day. Like you, you just don't have enough energy. So all of us have shortcuts in how we make decisions. The vast majority of the decisions we make every day use these, they call them heuristic, but just decision-making shortcuts that are really predictable. And so a lot of social engineering manipulates the shortcuts. They, they get us in a position where we're more likely to take one of the shortcuts and not think it through. And what is the role? So they're, they're using manipulation, they're using lying, What's the role then of, of a, a partial truth where you're like, this kind of sounds believable and in some ways it might be? So I think probably the best kind of popular culture version of that, if you've seen the movie Catch Me If You Can, which is based on a true story. Um, you know, long before we called it social engineering, they called it confidence men, right? It's people who learn the language, they learn how processes work, and they can pretend to be part of that process really convincingly. Those are the most effective lies. Um, how, how many of you use a credit card or a check card? Right. How many of you buy things on Amazon? Um, how many of you have cell phones? Like, <laughs> how many of the spam that you get or the phishing that you get use one of those, right? Yeah. It says, hey, your credit card has a fraudulent charge. We need you to call us. You're not calling your credit card company. If you ever get that, just tip for the day. Get your credit card out and call the number on the back of your card. Don't call back the number that just texted you, okay? Because that number is not really your credit card company. They don't often do that, so. Yeah, and, and I had a, a, a case recently with, with a customer um, where they were a, they were a uh, government adjacent entity, a nonprofit, um, and their CEO, uh, or their, their president, um, was uh, successfully uh, convinced that um, there was a, a New York Times reporter that wanted to interview him and they carried on a, he carried on a, an email conversation back and forth with this person for six to eight weeks they would send more questions he would answer them and the whole time it seemed like he was just answering questions for for a nice big story about the work that he does uh, and in the end the only reason why he even 
realized that he was a um, he was the victim of, of this this con uh, was because at the end they wanted him to log into something and when he logged in it took his password and his credentials and then they logged into his email and started pulling stuff out of it that's the only way that he ever would have detected it. it's the only way we ever would have detected it because we don't have technological measures for catching that um, that that comes with with user training yeah and, and it was i mean why wouldn't he believe that yeah i mean I he's, can a, see, he's yeah. a he's a president he's a ceo he's going to get interviewed for things like that somebody wants to interview me do a story makes right. sense something you want to believe anyway yeah. well translating this to the spiritual realm um, and this is a question I gave him earlier in the week. I had more questions about the Russian government, but we may not have time for that. Maybe we do a follow-up, okay? But um, how can Jesus help us guard against lies? Well, I, I thought it was interesting that you started with, with John 8, because there's a lot of talk in John 8 about truth. Right? Okay. Uh, 8.32 is, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It's, it's one of my favorite verses. Um, but if you look at the context around that, it's not just like, read your Bible, you'll get the truth, and that'll, that'll make it better. It, he really gets into it with the, the religious leaders. And, and, he, and they're like, why would you say set us free? We're children of Abraham. We're, we've always been free. We're not slaves. And he's like, well, if you were children of Abraham, you wouldn't be believing these false things about me. You wouldn't be trying to kill me. And then they say, well, but ultimately God is our father. And, he, and that's when he gets into the, but God's not your father, mm -hmm. Satan is your father. And so I think that's it. Looking at truth through the lens of Jesus' Jesus's example is, is really how he can help kind of discern some of this. And, and some of it is just, Jesus a lot of times just sat and listened. Yeah. If you just sit and listen, sometimes the truth will, the, the lies will become apparent. I like that slowing down, reflecting. Dave? And so... Where I went with this was to think through, um, you know, as, as a person, I tell myself lies. I mm -hmm. tell people outside, people I love, people I know lies, probably all the time. Just, you know, it's hard to come to terms with that at times. But I think as we understand being forgiven, it gives us permission to acknowledge the lies we tell ourselves and forgive ourselves. As we do that, we become more familiar with what lies look like. And we mm -hmm. have space to recognize when other people are lying and then to also give them forgiveness and permission to be truthful if that makes sense i think oftentimes we lie to avoid being truthful about something we think is worse right um, and so if you can give people space for that uh, the forgiveness we get from jesus allows us to live into the values uh, which forgiveness is a big one of those values right I like that idea that if we can confess the lies in our lives and get into the habit, we train ourselves to see it. Well, I appreciate you guys for coming up. As you return to your seats, the church a lot to hold on to this idea of seeing the example of Jesus, pausing and reflecting, slowing down. What are the lies I'm falling for? Being a person of confession, forgiveness. I want you to grab the note card and, and the pen. We're in a season of fasting. Uh, we're in this time from Ash Wednesday to next Sunday, where um, our fasting since the bulletin is, is silent drives. Ryan was talking about last week when we began to 
when we begin to fast, our body kind of screams. I was embarrassed how much already my body has been screaming about the silent drive. I'm like, I just want to listen to music. I just want to listen to podcasts. And it's forced me to reflect, as Jonathan was alluding to, sometimes I don't want to reflect. When we start to feel those cravings in our fasting, one of the things we need to have is to be able to go towards something that is truthful, right? Jesus responds in the fast to the truth of the Torah, Deuteronomy, right? And so at the top of this note card, I just simply want you to write things that I know to be true. And right now you don't have to write anything else if you don't want to. But I just want you to write things I know to be true. Why don't you keep this note card in your Bible and with you during the season of Lent? I had more time to think about this. I knew this was coming. Here are some things I wrote on my note card. You might want to write some of this during communion. You want to write this in the coming week. But here are some things that I know to be true. I'm a sinner. And when sometimes my ego gets the best of me and my pride gets the best of me, I have to remember that it is true that I'm a sinner. But I also wrote down, I'm an image bearer. Because when I'm tempted to self-loathe, I have to remind myself, I was created in the image of God. I have a lot of value and worth. Other things I wrote down, I am not alone. Family, that is something I know to be true. That I am not alone. I wrote as I referenced earlier, my performance is not my worth. I know that that is true. My performance is not my worth. Two scriptures I thought of, because Jesus reminds us in this reading that scripture is true. The Bible is true. Does it need to be interpreted sometimes? Yes. And yet we proclaim in this space that the Bible is true. Two scriptures I thought of this week, John 14 Another John reading about truth, as Jonathan alluded to, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And family, I know that that is true. Jesus is truth. And then lastly, a scripture from the end of Romans 8, where it says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. A lot of things I don't know about, but I know that that is true. I do not want you to be overcome by lies. One of the scariest things I ever did was look at my best friend and say, that is not true. But here's the deal. Because he went through a process of spiritual renewal, physical renewal, emotional renewal, social renewal, he now knows that he's good at a lot of things. And that that was a lie. Because he had people around him and he came back to the truth. I want you to write this on your note card this week. And remind yourself of truth. As that scripture in John 8 says, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Let's stand together and sing. Live for Jesus, oh my brother, his disciple ever be. Render not to any other what should be. Live for Jesus, Jesus, wandering sinner, under Satan, serve no more. 
of the promised prize of winner. Thou mayst be when life is o'er. Live for Jesus, live for Jesus. Give him all thou hast to give. On the cross, the world's redeemer gave his life that thou mightst live. Live for Jesus in life's morning. At the noon, tide out be his. And at eve, when day is turning, and inherit endless bliss. Live for Jesus, live for Jesus. Give him all the last to give. On the cross, the world's redeemer gave his life that thou mightst live. Oh. Uh -huh. 
over the past week, I've been thinking um, a good bit about something that um, Ryan said last week uh, about social media. I'm probably going to uh, butcher the quote here, maybe. I'm not sure exactly. But that, um, that the taking like a break from social media is not just getting away from that sort of thing as much as it is like silencing all the voices that are telling you who you are. Um, and I've just been thinking about that a lot and thinking about how often people tell us who we are, um, what it is that we're good at or not, or how often we ourselves tell ourselves, you know, what we're good at or not. And um, so we've been thinking about truth a lot this morning, um, thinking about uh, John 8 where Jesus says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I, I often think of freedom as like this, I don't know, idyllic state that I achieve um, and that once I finally get to that, this, you know, I'll never mess up again, right, or something, right? Like I will just finally achieve freedom and then I'll be, I'll never uh, mess up, right? Um, and then if I just say enough true things or do enough true things that somehow I'll get there. Um, but what I realize is that um, truth is uh, its a discipline. It's something that we have to practice like every single day. Um, and I think about how easy it is for me to be swayed um, by uh, misinformation or by uh, just uh, even myself telling me something that's, that's not true about who it is that I am and who God says that I am. And so, as we take communion this morning, I think it's important for us to remember that this is a moment where God tells us who we are, that we are the beloved, that we were chosen um, to be his people, and that that's the truth, and that everything else um, that we tell ourselves that lives outside of that, um, that those things uh, only take us further away from what it means to be um, that, that true part of who we are. Um, and so what I want us to, to remember this morning is that as we take this bread, that we are taking um, the body of Christ, that true, perfect, um, loving body of Christ into us, and that the more we practice this, somehow we become more and more like Jesus in some mysterious way. Um, so as we take this bread, let's pray together. God, we thank you for today, and we thank you for this, uh, just this time to, to gather as a community, a community that um, is so beautiful and so true. Um, and somehow when we're gathered in this space together, we, are, um, we become more than, than we are um, individually. And so, God, I just pray that as we take this bread this morning, that we, um, we take uh, the body of Christ into our life, that we consume the body of Christ, that we become more and more like the good and beautiful and true um, body of Jesus. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to remember who it is that we are every single day. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Let's pray. God, we thank you for this cup. God, we thank you for the grace that you show us in trying to live um, this kind of life, um, this life that is, um, is hard. It, it requires all of who we are, and God, it's, it's more than, than we can do. Um, God, we have to rely on you. And so, God, we just thank you for the grace that you give us as we strive together to, to live this kind of life, um, to live in grace and truth. God, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Four hundred eighty one. Four eight one.
be reading Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 19. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for the, man, for the many died by the trespass of the one man. How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if, by the trespass of the one man, death reigned throughout that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Let's pray. Dear God, we're so thankful for your son and, and the gift of forgiveness that he offers. And, uh, we're thankful for this time to, to be together and gather as, as a family and worship you and we ask you to be with us this week and help us help us to be honest even when it's difficult and uh, just be with us as we discern the honesty from those around us and uh, we ask you to help us to be a light to those in our community and in our workplace and uh, we ask you to be with those in this family that's that's suffering and uh, help comfort them that's in your sons and we pray Well, good morning. It's wonderful to see all of your faces, and it's wonderful to be here. It's actually wonderful to be anywhere after this last two weeks. Uh, Melissa is doing better. Uh, the last three days, she's actually started feeling more like herself, I guess I, I could say. Uh, but she is... Uh, She's on the mend, so it's, we are so grateful for your prayers, your food, your concern. Uh, we, uh, we, we, we certainly have uh, felt it and we feel it. Tell her we miss her. Okay, I will. Uh, Melissa, she, they miss you. <laughs> this is going out of it. All right, so. Uh, to birthdays, uh, Jack Sternberg is 17 on February 27th. That's tomorrow, right? Is that tomorrow? Okay. And then March 1st, Avila will be 12, and uh, Esther Mullins will be 13. A teenager. Avila, you've got one more year. So March 1st, is also Melissa's birthday. She's 
past her teen years. <laughs> and so has Jack Bauer, who is will have a uh, March 3rd birthday. So we are grateful for that. Uh, in the he said, she said category, uh, JP said that Beth said that we need to dismiss the teenagers right now. The high schools. Okay, high school. Thank you. Uh, high school right now because they've got a thing. <laughs> Which we'll talk about after they leave. Uh, the, uh, there was a great Galantine's, Galantine or Galantine? Galantine brunch yesterday. Sarah Edwards and Erica uh, Nichols were the hosts, and Robbie Spivey provided the house. Did you have to leave, or were you part of it? You, you got to stay. Okay, good. Um, Ackland Wednesdays, want to remind you that now that it's getting warmer, uh, we're going to get back to the outside Conway driveway, which will be great. Um, the uh, high school class that just left are going on a special silent reflection uh, time today, and they're going to eat lunch at the cookery, and we'll be back in the building by 1230. Uh, Akron Spring Retreat's coming up. There are details uh, uh, in the uh, bulletin on that. Uh, the theme is practices. Bob Hoskins is already working on the t-shirt, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Uh, Ruben Inn, we've got one more uh, hosting to be filled for March 19th, so if one of the small groups is, uh, yeah, can do that, that would be great. Tonight is the designated night for small groups. Uh, Nashville Work Camp is coming up. It's in June, however, the applications are due by Sunday, April the 2nd, so that's why we're talking about it now. Uh, instead of June. Eowyn uh, uh, and Cosette are taking part in the Hillsboro Players production of All Shook Up, uh, inspired by the songs of Elvis Presley, which run March 3rd through March 6th. You can access a ticket link through hillsboroughplayers.com, which would be fun. There's also a list of prayer and praise uh, that you might want to take a look at. And Sabrina, we love you. Uh, the magic four words is JP has an announcement. <laughs> Middle school groups at the Scobies tonight. Middle school at the Scobies, okay. All right, so the magic four words is coffee and donuts downstairs. You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash org. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.